Because Universal needs to step up their game, this is MuggleCast episode 229 for May the 26th, 2011. This week's episode of MuggleCast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. And by hypable.com, a mugglenet for the rest of the fandoms in the world and created by Mugglenet staff, Visit Hypable.com for thorough and up-to-the-minute coverage around The Hunger Games, Glee, Doctor Who, The Hobbit, and many more. That's Hypable.com. H-Y-P-A-B-L-E.com. Welcome to MuggleCast, episode 229. Mike and Eric here this week, as well as me. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. Summer's upon us. This is exciting. I don't know about that, Andrew. I just got done classes. Jeez. Still like mm-hmm. 55 here in Chicago. 55. Really? Yeah. The low tonight's like 47. It's kind of cool in California as well. How's it in New York, Micah? It's in the 80s. It's nice and sunny wow. here. Finally, after weeks of rain and terrible weather. I'm sure you'll get more rain. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate that. I'm Andrew Sims. I, there is no lead in. Uh, no. I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. Micah, what is in the news? Well, you said we're getting into uh, summer, and uh, that means we're getting closer to the release of Deathly Hallows Part 2. And mm-hmm. a number of character posters have been released, and the first three, I guess, um, would make sense that they're Harry, Ron, and Hermione. What did you guys think of these posters? Do you like them? Do they look like they're photoshopped by a 12-year-old? Uh, what's your uh, take Are on you it? just throwing that? Is that your opinion asked in the form of a question? <laughs> is, could these no. uh, be the... Yeah. All right. Um, uh, maybe. <laughs> perhaps. I don't think they look photoshopped. At, I mean, well, obviously they're photoshopped, but I don't think they're poorly photoshopped. I think they're actually pretty badass. My friend, uh, my friend Mason, who saw the Ron one this morning, he was like, oh, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome, actually. I, I think what what takes away from it is the uh, text. It all ends. Just doesn't look right. Doesn't fit the poster. Now, usually mm-hmm. they're better with that. I mean, the text isn't even embossed or doesn't even have like a nice little bevel or shadow effect. It just seems pretty, I don't know, put together, but I, I, I like the poses. It's good to see these. It's always good to see these characters. That's, that's the real thing. I mean, this is the last bit of uh, posterage we'll get. Uh, ever for a Harry Potter film. So uh, if you don't like it, speak now. But uh, otherwise, forever hold your peace because this is the last round. And it's it's but if you think about it, like there, this is what the eighth set of character movie posters. Now it's like, okay, what are we gonna do this time? <laughs> it's like they have to try to come up with stuff that looks different from one another. And I remember last year, or with Half Blood Prince, and probably Part One too, the character posters. There's those little red sparks. You know, and they're back on these posters as well. Well, now we actually know what they mean. We were thinking that it was what blood mean? initially, but it's just oh. all the uh, the embers that are com- that that are coming off of Hogwarts burning down. Nice, <laughs> all perfectly positioned in front of each character. Yeah, but not behind them, only in well, front. Well, the other thing I noticed too is, th- and and maybe they didn't do this on previous posters, and I'm just forgetting is that there is no title of the movie. 
Yeah, that's oh. that's really different as well. Um, well, that's cool. And I mean, basically, they people know that it was like with Half Blood Prince when they just wrote HP Six. R- right. right, that was weird. People, people, these are iconic characters now. You don't, you don't need the title. Uh, interesting, though. I guess that makes. I sense. wonder. I mean, when people listen to this show now, uh, in you know, uh, after we record, other character posters will be out. They've been re- releasing a new one each day. I'm wondering who else they're going to show. Probably Voldemort, maybe Draco. Uh, I don't know who else though. Yeah, they usually do like you know a good guys set and a bad guys set. At least going back to right movie five when there really were two clear sides of uh, you know good and evil. What else is going on, Micah? Well, the uh, U.S. premiere location is set for Deathly Hallows Part Two. No surprise, I think that it is going to be in New York City. The uh, date is to be determined, but New York City seems to be the place uh, for the U.S. premiere, and uh, no surprise there, like I said. And it makes sense, because Dan Radcliffe is there shooting, uh, or not shooting, uh, being a part of the musical, How to Succeed. They got the, what is that thing, the exhibition, exhibition. there. It's convenient for the U.K. actors to get over there instead of flying all the way across the world to Los Angeles, a 12-hour flight. Uh Yeah. I, I, I missed the LA Order of the Phoenix premiere. That, personally, I think that one was the best, but. Well, it was just a short drive for you, right? Or not at the time. <laughs> you were still in Jersey, weren't right, you? Right, right. I would love to well, just drive to a premiere. Now it would cool. just be a short drive for you, so it would be nice. Exactly. It'd be a walk. <laughs> it would be, and Warner Brothers, too. I mean, they're based out in LA, so. Right. Well, they like taking trips. They like making excuses for trips to New York, probably, because they get nice hotels. Um, We have an email later on, by the way, about uh, premiere tips. People always want to know some tips for the premiere, camping out, getting there early, blah, blah, blah. So we'll talk about those later in the show, because I know people have questions. Before we continue with today's show, we'd like to remind everybody that this podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their great service. One audiobook to consider is A Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, Book One. It's a very popular book on Audible, and a television adaptation recently debuted on HBO called Game of Thrones. The first episode was actually so successful that HBO has already renewed it for a second season. So for a free audiobook of your choice, such as A Game of Thrones, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. So uh, continuing on with the news, Lego Harry Potter... Years 5 to 7 was announced. It will be released later on this year, uh, right around Christmas time, the holiday season. You know, trying to uh, take advantage of uh, all the Harry Potter fans out there that'll be buying up their uh, Deathly Hallows Part 2 DVDs and, you know, 1 through 8 sets. So, Lego Harry Potter, uh, what do you guys think of this? You guys both have the game? I well, know you Matt must says he has it. Yeah, he sold it. But <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you you must be excited though, because you loved it. One through four. Yeah, I, you know, I thought they did a really good job, as we've talked about probably numerous times on the show. You know, with putting the gameplay together, because it's not primarily focused on the movies like the EA games are. It it, it really takes a lot from the books. And there's there's a lot more that you can do in terms of free roaming and tasks and and things like that. So I think 
they wouldn't have gone ahead and made five to seven if years one through four wasn't such a huge success. No, you're right. And I mean, we, we, we saw the sales that first month. I think the sales were extremely good. Well, speaking of sales, I am thinking of selling my game. I can't get very far in it, guys. I, I have to admit, I have not done very well in the Harry Potter Lego game. I'm thinking. It's a children's game. I'm Why? thinking of giving up. It's just not into it. I can't figure out what to do next. I'm stuck. There's a hallway with some uh, plants that I can't get past, and I'm I'm lost. I don't know what to do. So I'm probably going to sell the game too. You know, what was interesting is I was talking to Andrew uh, the other day, and I said, you know, I emailed the the head of production over at TT Games to find out, you know, what what the latest was if there was going to be a Lego Harry Potter years five to seven. And he said, well, you know, we're, we're focusing our attention on Pirates of the Caribbean right now. <laughs> that was now, like last week. But expect an announcement <laughs> right? soon. Well, yeah. And he said, and he said, expect an announcement soon. And then literally a couple of days later, you know, they announce uh, years five to seven. So you sent uh, something. You're like, you I did. Yeah. Well, if yeah, it's, exactly. uh, I had one of those, uh, <laughs> well, if it's coming out this the end of this year, clearly it's something they've been working on for a little while. Absolutely. I mean, these games take so long to to uh, create. You know, we saw the production that went on with years one to four, and just how much detail goes into these games. What else is going on in the news? J.K. Rowling talked about her favorite characters uh, to promote a new Bloomsbury campaign, and um, you know, she she gave an idea of who her favorite character is. Wait, Micah, let me guess. Is it pen and paper? <laughs> no, no. Is, is pen and paper a character pen and in paper, the series? Might pen, as well. Probably pen and is paper right Weasley, now. actually. See, uh, yeah, pen and paper. Pen and paper Clearwater? Is that it? That's a real character, right? Well, let me read the quote here. It says, my favorite character is Harry. Yawn. Which, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Although uh, I believe I am unusual in this, Ron is generally more popular. I love him too, though. Not now that I have finished writing the books, the character I most like to meet for dinner is Dumbledore. We would have a lot to discuss, and I would love his advice. I think that everyone would like a Dumbledore in their lives, and I think she said this before, though. Mm. She, she said, "Yeah, she would meet him for dinner." Um, but you know. Joe, t- Dumbledore, I see Joe in Dumbledore. So, isn't really, it, it, Joe's just looking to have a conversation with herself, if you ask me. <laughs> well, I think the, the, she's never come the real, the, the real, the real <laughs> surprise for me is that, you know, obviously we're, we're reading, we're rereading Order of the Phoenix. Um, and Order of the Phoenix, more so than any other book, is really, Dumbledore is, not a good guy. His, his actions are called into question, I think, uh, by Joe herself, um, because Harry's feeling very, very isolated, especially where we are currently in chapter by chapter. So the idea that she says everybody wants a Dumbledore in their life, well, actually, you know, I don't think we do. She's, you know, basically Dumbledore is revealed throughout the whole series to be this uh, really manipulative uh guy and sure he's got his moments but i i would not choose him to be my my dinner guest i would not i would i would find myself strangling him well isn't that cheery um, next piece of news yeah <laughs> is uh we got a lot of you know diverse news this week you know we're moving from 
a lot of different topics here. Normally, it's just about one thing, and that's usually the movie. But attendance at the Wizarding World of, uh, or sorry, at Universal has soared thanks to uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Uh, no surprise there. But Andrew, mm-hmm. you recently uh, returned from Orlando. I did. And uh, you, did you happen to go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter? No, <laughs> no. I went to Dr. Seuss land. <laughs> I really wanted to go see Dr. Seuss, the cat in the hat. Uh, no, yeah, I did. I went with my family, actually. It was, it was their first time going to Universal. Um, so it was exciting. And they were all really excited to see the Wizarding World. And they loved it. It was a fun time. We had a great time. Um, the crowds were good. But, and I tweeted this. I ran into a couple of issues at Universal, and they just really bugged me, and I wanted to spend a minute going into them, because it's got to be fixed. It, with The Wizarding World is so popular, Micah just brought up this story about, you know, the um, the, the attendance at the park soaring because of Harry Potter, period, not because of anything else. They need to up their game at Universal. First of all, and anybody who's been on the Forbidden Journey knows this, the locker situation has to be fixed. It is extremely crowded. It's dark. It's small in there. It, when, when 50 people are trying to cram into the space to either get a locker or reopen their locker, it's just a mess. And it doesn't help that it's dark in there. Uh, and small. It's, it's a wreck. It's literally a wreck. Um, I personally had a problem reopening my locker. It took me a few minutes to uh, find the locker attendant. And I finally find him. You know, it takes me a few minutes because it's dark, it's small, and it's crowded. And I say, you know, I find him. I say, hey, excuse me. And he greets me with, what's up? And that just annoyed me. Because, like, first of all, they're kind of supposed to be in character because you're in the wizarding world. You know, act a little British or cheery or something. You know, he just turns around. And you can tell he's angry because he's working this horrible job in the locker the locker area where it's so crowded he can't even walk around and he deals with all those people who are getting annoyed at the locker situation. So he greets me kind of rudely with what's up. And, you know, I get the locker situation worked out, but he was just really bugging me in his attitude. He obviously did not enjoy working there. Um, and then the next day I went on Forbidden Journey again and uh, I went into the lockers. I didn't have anything to drop off this time, but I went through the locker area and one of the guests walks in the room and <laughs> in the locker room and says, I can't see in here. And she was like kind of whining. And the attendant kind of yells across the room, take off your sunglasses and a rude tone. And it was just like, <laughs> it's so, I don't know. It's just these, some of these employees just don't sit right with me. Um, and, and like in the Hogshead bar, I went in over there and one person was taking care of the bar in the middle of the day. And it's, it, the line was out the door mm. and it's just like, you know, come on, get some better service in here. And eventually a second person did show up, but you know, that should never have less than two people. That Hogshead Bar. I love it, but not, you know, it needs two people. And finally, the Jurassic Park. Um, the Jurassic Park land, very cool land. I went um with my family again. The 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 River Adventure ride, the one day I was there, it was closed, and that annoyed me so much because there are so few rides at Islands of Adventure. These poor people are actually going to the park, paying money to go experience the whole park probably in one day. One of the rides, one of the like five rides at the park is closed. And it's like, you know, that that's a big portion of the park and you're just gonna you're screwing people over. Hmm. So the next day, I go back to Islands of Adventure. And the ride's open. I'm like, okay, good, good. It's open. Glad to see it. We go on the ride, and you know how you're on the you're on a riverboat, 
And the big doors open up and it says, welcome to Jurassic Park. It's supposed to be some epic moment because these giant doors are opening and you're getting a look. You're like entering the Uh Jurassic Park. Well, the damn dinosaur right at the front is broken down. His head is hiding behind a rock underwater. (laughs) It's like, are you kidding me? There was nothing to look at. It said, welcome to Jurassic Park. And all you saw was a river and trees and a broken (laughs) dinosaur. Thanks, Universal. Real magic. This is the... Theme park now we're talking about who had uh, suffered like a 40% loss of money two years ago and like a 180% increase in revenue this past year since Harry Potter opened, right? Wasn't that the news story? I mean, yeah. we're talking millions yeah. and millions and millions and millions of dollars uh, above. Right. Let's spend some money to make sure the rides okay. work. Well, that's fair. I mean, to be fair, there is. <laughs> and there the, is and a, the bar uh, has enough people. In Disney, there's a. Um, a Yeti uh, in the Expedition Everest ride in Animal Kingdom that's been broken down for years and years and years, and they still haven't fixed it. I did read about that. Mm-hmm. There was an article about that. So there are broken rides. It's there, something there... that happens. We don't know how long that dinosaur has been broken. Well, two, a day is too long. <laughs> when that when that dinosaur is the entrance to the ride, welcome to Jurassic Park. Look at our broken <laughs> dragon and trees and water, but nothing else. And there was another dragon broke or dinosaur broken a, a little bit later into the ride. Um, other than that, Wizarding Good World, <laughs> Wizarding World is, is great. The still, <laughs> do you still not like the butterbeer, Andrew? Because you said eh, sugar. No, no, no. The butterbeer yeah. is good. Yeah, I, I don't drink a lot of it, but the butterbeer is good. The park, I can sit in that park all day. I went into the park all three days and just sat in the middle and really just took in the ambiance. Seeing people are genuinely excited to walk into that park. And, you know, big Harry Potter fans, they're so excited and it's so fun watching them experience it for the first time. It really is wonderful and they really did do a great job with it. There's just some things that they really need to work out. Did, well, how many times did the Forbidden Journey break down when we were there? Right. I mean, a in, lo- fairness, a lot. in fairness there, though, the ride was just opening, so they're kind of bound to have problems. And, you know, hopefully they fix that by now. If they haven't, then yeah, that that. Did you see any issue. kind of expansion or signs of expansion or... No. Any idea? I was looking. Well, when though. are they gonna? When are they gonna start building on here? Because uh, we're on a we're on a deadline here. The world's gonna end in 2012. I, I would say, <laughs> I would say between the next one or two years, we would probably start hearing mm. something. But and who knows? You said you actually ran into a couple MuggleCast listeners. I did. I did run into a couple MuggleCast listener uh, listeners. The one was Caitlin. Uh, it was very nice meeting her. And the other girl, I don't think I got her name. We ran into her when we were in the other park, uh, Universal Studios Orlando, not Islands of Adventure. But I ran into her with her family. She was very nice. We had a nice conversation. So shout out to both of them. And I saw on Facebook a couple people were like, oh, I thought I saw you there. But yeah, were we you wearing a meet, black so. wife beater on one of the days? <laughs> <laughs> yes, people, people have seen been... you then. You were spotted, Andrew. You were spotted. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that was me. That was me. People made fun of me for it, but whatever. Um so overall, I, I you know, if I had to make some give some new tips to people, definitely go in the morning is definitely when it's the most crowded. Evenings are much better. Um I would say definitely go afternoon to evening. The crowds are a lot better to deal with. The one day I went for Bin Journey wait uh, um on Friday, it was 75 minutes. The following day, it was 20 Ooh. minutes and around the same time, too. So, a dramatic difference. I don't even know why. But um, afternoons, evenings are the best times to go to that park. Yeah. And one piece of news I noticed that we did skip over was Monday was your birthday, Andrew. So, happy yes, birthday. Yes, happy birthday. It was. 
I celebrated it in the park. I was very happy to be doing that. It was, um, it really is a great place. And, uh, I was very happy Lady Gaga gave you a birthday present, didn't she, Andrew? Yeah, I was born this day. <laughs> May 23rd, the same day Born This Way, the album came out. And we'll be playing uh, Lady Gaga Make the Music Connection later on in the show. Fantastic. But I have to say the birthday wishes were really nice. They really remind me, and I'm sure you guys too when you get them, you know, you know, why we do the show and then the website and everything else. It's for it's for um the fans and they genuinely enjoy it and it it makes me really happy to see all these people, you know, wishing me a happy birthday. It makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> now next year will be your golden birthday, right? 23 on the 23rd? Oh, yes. We'll have to plan ahead for that. I can't wait. <laughs> um all right so well speaking of all this park stuff we should remind everybody about LeakyCon. LeakyCon.com. it's going to be held july 13th to the 17th in orlando florida we're under 50 days away now we're, there's going to be that party in the park we now know when we are doing the two podcasts we're going to be doing a leaky mug on thursday and a muggle cast on friday the muggle cast on friday is going to be our live review show i mean and by live i mean in front of a real audience and we're gonna have a lot of fun with it i think i I've, I have a very good feeling about it um you know we've told you guys all about LakeCon over the past few months there's gonna be the dance there's gonna be the fantastic programming there's gonna be the opening feast the leaving feast the midnight premiere of the movie uh it's just gonna be there's gonna be so much fun to be had down there in orlando florida with some of the biggest harry potter fans um and uh LeakyCon is going to be a lot of fun. So visit LeakyCon.com, click on register, and in the referral box, do put in Muggle so they know we sent you. A couple updates, actually. There's only there's probably less than 100 registrations available Ooh. now. Uh, tickets left, in other words. So now is the time to register. You have to do it soon. It's going to be sold out soon. And uh, we'll no longer be able to tell you to register <laughs> because you won't be able to. So check it out, LeakyCon.com, enter referral code MUGGLE, and we will see you there July 13th to the 17th. What are you guys looking forward to most, if you had to pick one thing? I'm looking for the movie to come out, honestly. That's going to mm-hmm. be really, really awesome to see with everybody. It's kind of funny. I keep forgetting that the movie is coming out during it because there's so much else going on. It's like... yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, let's just hope they don't move the release to Wednesday. <laughs> well, if if that happens, they will make changes. Everybody will still see it, hopefully, at midnight if they come in on yeah, the 12th. Yeah, I feel like, uh, I Micah, feel like how that about happened uh, in Movie 6. They released it a couple days early, and people, yeah, so people and were... Um, but maybe the, so seven. the event was planned for the Friday, and people did see it on Wednesday, but um, everybody together then came back and saw it Friday. I, I don't know. I, I always thought if there's a big event planned just wait for that wait two days you know there's no there's no reason not to see in a group micah how about you i think just the the podcast i always have a lot of fun you know doing those live shows and and meeting with everybody you know hearing their reactions live you know every every time we do a show like this we get people's reactions through social media emails things like that but it's really cool to be in person and having that kind of interaction you know just just getting away being able to relax for a couple of days in Orlando even though it's going to be you know hot as all hell down there like it was last year but uh I'll tell you, you know, Mike I could use the heat it's very very cold well, in Chicago. Chicago I mean 
you know, it'll probably still be 20 degrees uh, when you leave in July <laughs> and snowing. But yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I just look look forward to going down there and, and hanging out. It's it's really a time that, you know, a lot of us get to see each other because we don't see each other all that often during the year. That's true. I usually forget what you look like. You have to come up to me and say, hey, Andrew, remember me? I'm Micah. <laughs> I do that podcast with you. I'm like, well, Micah. Oh, oh, Micah. Which okay. which pod, which podcast? Let's see here. And he pulls out his <laughs> large. Let me go through Rolodex. my podcast Rolodex. <laughs> All right. Well, Micah, um, this is why I always remember you because of your great chapter by chapter segments. And uh, you're going to kick us off now with uh, chapter three, the advanced guard from Order of the Phoenix. Right. I hope I remember it, seeing as I put this together two weeks ago. <laughs> yes. uh, the last show. So if I'm a little rusty on it, I, I do apologize. Uh, so the the chapter three, the advance guard, the chapter opens and, and Harry is literally freaking out uh, at this point. Call of the chapter. Uh, there's a, num- a number of things are going on. Uh, he's been attacked by Dementors. Uh, he's being tailed by both uh, Arabella Fig and Mundungus Fletcher. Uh, Petunia has gotten a mysterious howler. He's worried about being expelled and or going to Azkaban. And nobody really is communicating with him uh, in the way that he would like. So, uh, you know, did you guys think that this was a little bit of a, a misstep on Dumbledore's part not to let him know just what the hell was going on? Yeah, There's a lot of stuff happening. I do. And I think it, it really it builds up even in the next chapter, you know, Harry kind of takes his anger out on his friends instead but the anger real the real thing here is that Dumbledore is 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 at fault and Dumbledore is really uh being tough on Harry he's creating a situation that doesn't necessarily need to exist uh and it's it's one of Dumbledore's arbitrary choices that that just Harry and everybody else has to kind of deal with in this book it's really tough because up until this point in the Harry Potter books Tumbledore's been kind of in the background. And, and, you know, even now he's, here he's in the background, but we're at least getting word of what he's doing. And it's clear that it's because Voldemort has come back. It's obviously, you know, a game changer when the villain all of a sudden has a body again, uh, at the end of book four. That's a big deal. But, um, I, I did expect to see sort of, you know, in the beginning of book six when Dumbledore shows up on Privet Drive and escorts Harry. That is what I expected to happen in this book. That, that he would get like a Dumbledore escort. But as it turns out, we rarely see Dumbledore in this book, and for a good reason, um, which is explained later. And this is kind of the reader's um, opportunity to start losing trust in Dumbledore, thinking like, well, he's not as perfect as we've kind of made him out to be. You know, he's always been wise. He's always had plans in good order for the most part, um, except for that whole, you know, Barty Crouch senior thing under his nose the whole time at the... Uh, uh, you know, in Hogwarts, but that's besides the point. I mean, he's in this book. We really s- start to lose trust in him when when he, he he's not a good communicator with Harry. This is just one instance in this book. Yeah, I mean, he can talk yeah. Mermish for crying out loud, but he's not talking English to Harry. Barty Crouch Jr. By the way, I knew that. Now, now Harry is really eager to you know, communicate with somebody. You know, he wants to send letters off to Ron, Hermione, and Sirius. But the big problem is that Hedwig is nowhere to be found. And he does end up getting really pissed at his only friend uh, at Privet Drive uh, when she does come back. And, you know, it's kind of like as soon as she returns with food, you know, because she's been out hunting, she's immediately sent back out uh, by Harry. 
and to, to sort of add to the level of aggravation that he's going through several days pass with no response. And, and, you know, so this, this only increases his level of agitation. Um, yeah. So, you know, more time continues to pass, and uh, there's this one night where Vernon comes up to his room and tells Harry uh, that they are going out for the evening, and there's this list of things that Harry's not allowed to do, including, and I quote, not steal food from the fridge. Now, he lives there. How is it stealing food? And I know that's just the way that Vernon uh, likes to treat Harry, but, you know, this whole list of things, can and can't, uh, it's it's a little bit Juvenile? abusive. Oh, and, and abusive. Well, isn't this something we were talking about last week, or I, want, I wanted to have more of a discussion on it, just how poorly the family... I mean, it's... Somebody could call a uh, child, what is that, child services, services. On, on the family? Yeah. I mean, and get this ta- looking into, looked into. Um, because you're, you're right. I mean, you're, they're basically starving Harry. They're considering, they, they consider him taking food out of the fridge to be stealing. I mean, no, no family does that unless they really despise the person living there. I mean, I can understand, okay. You're not allowed to watch TV. I mean, all our parents have said, said that to us at one time or another, you know, sort of as a punishment. But really, Harry's not done anything wrong in this case, and he's not allowed to take food from the fridge. I mean, we we used to hear in in the older books how he, Petunia used to put food through the through the flap, yeah, in his door. Uh, yeah, you know, it's just it's so. Like Eric was saying, juvenile, but it's but it's also abusive on some levels. Uh, the way that he gets treated, I, I think it's interesting that you know Vernon does this to Harry um, because we expect it. Harry expects it. That's why Harry's not shocked. You know, he's like, oh, whatever. Uh, he clearly he expects to be this mistreated by the Dursleys. Nothing new. The real um, shame, the real sad part, is that he expects to be treated better by his friends. And he feels that he's not being treated well by the people he thinks would normally treat him well. So it's really, really, he's really not in a good place because not only are the Dursleys no change there, you know, they're still as abusive as ever, you know, limiting him and all that stuff. But now his friends aren't writing to him either. And his friends are, they're not saying anything. Dumbledore has had him followed all summer. It's a bad situation. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, uh, when Vernon is, uh, taking his family out, uh, the advance guard arrives to take Harry away from Privet Drive. And we later learn that the Dursleys were sent away because of, uh, some competition. <laughs> uh, they won some contest that doesn't really exist. Uh, so that, that was the, uh, the opportunity for the advance guard to come in and to take Harry away. And we get to re- meet the real Moody now for the first time. You know, other than him just being a, a rambled mess at the bottom of, of some trunk, uh, in Barty Crouch Jr.'s office. Uh, Lupin, we already know, uh, but we're introduced to several new characters. Tonks, uh, Kingsley, uh, Alpheus Doge, Daedalus Diggle, who we later learned, uh, Harry has actually met before, Emmeline Vance, and Sturgis Podmore. Oh, and Hestia Jones. So don't these forget are the her. people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, I, such knew, a huge I knew you were gonna, in the series. <laughs> I knew you were going to forget Hestia Jones, Micah, and that's why uh, I bolded it right here in the notes. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I thought it was somewhat comical that uh, Moody thinks Harry 
could be an imposter upon arriving. And he said, we don't know. We could be capturing a Death Eater and, and taking him back, uh, you know, to our secure location. Uh, so the, the question, of course, uh, that, that Lupin asks Harry is what form does his Patronus take? And I was just wondering, couldn't a Death Eater know that? I mean, isn't it possible that they would have this information? Or has Harry not done that in front of enough people yet? Hmm. Yeah, I think Harry hasn't done it in front of enough people. I mean, when he did it, he was at school, you know, in, in Prisoner of Azkaban. The, de- the Dementors would know, uh, but they're not talking. Um, plus, de- well, Dementors can't see, actually. So I guess anybody he's ever really done a Patronus in front of wouldn't be able to talk. It, it, plus, it's a very personal question, because Patronus is is very personal to uh, to you, to to your yourself. Um, so yeah, I guess I feel like it's, at this point, it's, it's, it's not quite a, uh, a question everyone would know the answer to. It's also kind of a spur of the moment thing. I mean, I, I don't know if Lupin had that question planned for, <laughs> to, to ask Harry. So maybe that was just the first thing that came to his mind. I don't know. Yeah, it's possible. But, uh, you know, I did think it was comical on Moody's part, uh, you know, that he could question Harry being an imposter death eater, but I guess he's talking from experience. He should have mm-hmm. just, uh, he should have just, uh, dueled Harry, and if Harry u- used Expelliarmus, they would have known it was the right Harry. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of running through some, some of these other members of the advanced guard, uh, because they do get mentioned briefly, but, uh, you know, some of them have a role later on, uh, in, uh, the series. Uh, Doge is introduced more fully. In uh, the first few chapters of Deathly Hallows, uh, he writes Dumbledore's obituary in the Daily Prophet, and of course he speaks with Harry at the wedding. Uh, as I mentioned, Diggle says that they've met before. Um, this is the wizard that uh, Harry meets all the way back in Sorcerer's Stone in the Leaky Cauldron, and he also helps escort the Dursleys uh, to safety in Deathly Hallows. Uh, Emmeline Vance is killed in the beginning of Half-Blood Prince, uh, Sturgis Podmore gets caught later on in this book guarding the Department of Mysteries and is sent off to Azkaban. I don't know if we ever hear anything more about him later on in the series. And uh, Hestia Jones, didn't forget about her, uh, helps uh, Diggle escort the Dursleys to safety uh, in Deathly Hallows. So uh, um, Daedalus and Hestia, they have a, maybe have a thing going on. They get the same jobs, you know, together? <laughs> the same missions? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Possibly. Romance. Uh, so, uh, Q Swan Lake. After the, uh, after they all arrive and Harry gets introduced to them, uh, Tonks volunteers, uh, to go help Harry get his things for school. And it's revealed that she is a metamorph magus. And, hot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's hot. Uh, he also learns that both Tonks and Kingsley are Aurors, and I think he's a little surprised that Tonks is an Auror because she's already uh, broken a few things in the house and uh, doesn't exactly behave like you would expect an Auror to. Yeah. She's the cool Auror. De- desperate times call for desperate measures. She upsets the balance. She upsets the, uh, she offsets the, uh, those stingy bookie Aurors who can actually, you know, throw the book at people. Now, we brought this up on the last show, and, and we said we'd talk about it in this chapter, but why is it that these people are allowed to access Privet Drive, but it seems like the Death Eaters aren't? Isn't it just sort of a matter of good or evil? 
Yeah, I was wondering that. Yeah, well then, in the, yeah, the question is then what determines if you're good or evil? Like, wouldn't, and wouldn't they be able to use that? Like, oh, if you can show up on private drive without being zapped to blown, blown to smithereens, then we know your true loyalties. But the problem is loyalties change. Now, what I thought was interesting is that the Dursleys are gone for this. So what if the protection over Privet Drive isn't active because the Dursleys have left? And that's why all of these wizards can show up. Oh. But, I mean, Dumbledore never really made it clear about... We never heard it previously, like, you know, you guys have to stay here, actually be physically present here. No, it's true. I think it's, I think it's well established that they are still here, so the protection is still there simply because all their stuff is there too so even if they leave you know even if they leave just to go food shopping or whatever <laughs> it's still clear that that they are present in the home you can just see voldemort stalking the dursleys waiting for them to go food shopping before he attacks harry but i mean well the reason we brought it up last episode was because uh you know we have these people watching harry and he actually strays Pretty far from number four Privet Drive. He's walking on the side streets and, you know, all the way to the playground, which is quite a ways away. Uh, you know, in this book, he really kind of tests those boundaries. And it seems like an important question to ask, you know, not only what determines it, what allows all these wizards to pick Harry up, but also how far is that protection, you know, because he goes quite away from home and he's still apparently protected unless that's why the Dementors could find him. So I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, and you know that kind of begs the question: Why was there no attempt planned to capture Harry by Voldemort in this book? You know, Moody says, you know, as right as before they're ready to uh, to take off. You know, if one of us is killed, and uh, you know, it's interesting that he says that because he's the one that ends up getting killed under very similar circumstances in Deathly Hallows. Yeah. So. But why no plan? I mean, they could have, you know, put something together similar to what they did in Deathly Hallows, or was it just that Voldemort didn't have everybody assembled yet? I think several things haven't happened yet, which were crucial to, uh, you know, this the attack that happened in Deathly Hallows. First, that, um, you know, Dumbledore has left Harry on his own, and as a result, Voldemort doesn't know a whole lot about what's going on in, in you know the with the order um because harry's not with them and it, uh, voldemort also ha- doesn't really know about the connection through the scar and so he can't use that to sort of track harry he doesn't know that they're gonna pick harry up he doesn't know that harry's not already with dumbledore to be perfectly honest and 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 the other thing that is different for book seven is that voldemort um, has his sights on something else. He wants to get the prophecy. He's kind of, he's kind of, Harry, Harry in this book is an afterthought to Voldemort almost because now that he's got his body back, you know, Harry already escaped. I think he really wants, he needs reinforcements. He needs to start sort of the, um, I don't want to say bureaucratic. He needs to start doing the, the paperwork to become the new, the new evil dark lord again because he, he, um, is going after a weapon instead of going after Harry. He's changed. In other words, he's, he's completely changed focus. Um, but I think that was a smart move. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Uh, the only other thing I was going to bring up in this chapter is that, uh, Tonks has an interesting relationship with Moody. She seems to be the only person who can reason with him, but she's also the only person that can talk back to him. 
Um, and, and I'm wondering if, if he's a mentor of sorts, you know, is, is that the kind of dynamic that exists between the two of them? I was thinking it's more women power than anything else. He, so you're saying that Moody likes the fire in her? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, no. But, well, yeah, well, I mean, no. I mean, we'd have to look at their friendship over time, too. I mean, they, you know, there could be different aspects of the relationship from the past that has given Tonks' right to, you know, be the one who, r- who really stands up with to him, you know, reasoning with him and speaking back to him, you know, laying the smack down. If, if they've had a very good relationship in the past, they may, uh, you know, Tonks may feel comfortable with being like, okay, Moody, you listen here. Is that right. your Valley Girl accent? <laughs> I don't know what it was. No. Get Mason. Oh, <laughs> we do need Mason for this. But I'm sure he could do a good one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, last part of the uh, chapter, they all arrive safely at uh, Grimald Place, headquarters uh, for the Order of the Phoenix, is what it says on the paper that Harry gets. Yeah, paper. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Pen and paper. Mm. Pen and- <laughs> Priorities. Yeah. All right. And Eric, so you will take us through chapter four. Chapter four, number 12, Grimald Place. You know, I just have to say, it's really funny reading this because I live at a, uh, a number 14, and the house next to me is number 10. So there is actually f- five feet. There's no number 12 on the street I live on. <laughs> you know, when I stayed there, I thought I heard ghosts. So maybe, maybe that, maybe that was the three houses in between, or the the one house in between. I've, I've tried, to, I've tried to find number twelve on my street, and it hasn't worked. Anyway, number twelve. Well, according to the films, it grows out of nowhere. It grows out so. of nowhere. Well I, well, I think what it is now in the book, it grows out of nowhere in front of Harry. That's how it's described, and in the movie, it grows out of nowhere. But I, f- I feel like it's already there, like. The only reason they can't see it is because it's hidden magically. It doesn't give number 12 the magical property of being a hideaway building that slides. I think the sliding effect is what results from the the hidden, the Fidelio charm being performed on the building. Maybe I could be wrong. What do you guys think? No. Yeah, it just didn't, when I saw it in the movie, I was just really, it, it just was not how I pictured it. I, because in the movie, it's basically the two, the two row homes separate. And that's not how I pictured it. I just thought, you know, in the book, it was just this blank, this this empty plot of land. Yeah, I didn't. I, yeah, I think I remember that too. I I didn't. I remember not also feeling like they would be connected houses to begin with. Um, right. But then when they were, I, I guess it made sense. But I think it was. I think too, like again, that the, the magic makes it pop out of nowhere. But that ordinarily there there was enough space between the house i don't, I don't know yeah. but uh so the the letter um we find out later was written by dumbledore that harry reads moody at the beginning of this chapter burns the burns the letter uh right away and they enter the headquarters for the order of the phoenix now um moody tells harry to go in not go too far uh all the other wizards go in and He's met immediately by Mrs. Weasley, um, who hugs Harry, and she says, quote, he's just arrived, the meeting has started. Uh, the wizards behind Harry make excited noises, and they head towards the kitchen. And Mrs. Weasley says uh, that he'll have to wait for dinner because they're holding a meeting. So this is very, again, it's, it's, nobody's telling Harry anything, even, even just yet. They're, they're clearly keeping him out of the loop. 
even even mm-hmm. still. So uh, Mrs. Weedley uh, tells him that she'll show him uh, to his room. She leads him up the stairs, and uh, it says she she leads him on tiptoe past a pair of long moth-eaten curtains behind which Harry supposed there must be another door. Um, because there are a lot of doors on this hallway. Now, we know that, uh, you know, by the end of this chapter, we find out that Mrs. Black's, uh, portrait is behind these curtains. Um, and we know from later in the book that the, the, the portrait can't be removed. But I thought it was interesting that Harry says, you know, just his intuition, his instinct says that there's a door behind this, this portrait. Um, so I, I, I had the question, well, we, we know that there are doors behind other portraits, like to Gryffindor Common Room. Do you think, or did you guys ever think there could be a door behind Mrs. Black's portrait in Grimmauld Place? No, because it, she just serves as the protector. So I, I don't think there would ever be a purpose other than that. I mean, usually, yes, the portraits are placed, you know, to hide a door, but, you know, I, I guess I could see maybe a safe being hidden behind there, because people would obviously not be able to get into it, except for Sirius. Um... But yeah, I, I now I just I've always seen it just as simply a security measure. Well, what kind of security? Yeah, I agree. What, I never thought that there could be a door. Never. Okay. Cuz I think I feel never, like ever. In, <laughs> maybe it's just me. I feel like in architecture It would have been cool. Yeah, it would, would have been cool. And I mean, I feel like in architecture, you know, you're you're at a building and you feel like there should be a door somewhere. There's like an archway where a door would normally go and there's not a door there. It just seems like a change has been made. You know, but what is Mrs. Black's purpose? I guess I mean, security. Why though? She just uh, browbeats people. She doesn't really prevent anything, and 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 well, that's they just close that, the curtains and she goes away. To me, that was another fun, whimsical addition that Joe added. It's just another um, area of magic that was fun to read about. Yeah, that's true. It was a nice, uh, you know, sub character, so to speak. Yeah, it's like, I, uh, it does. It does. She was annoying, but yeah. Enjoyable. It leads for good, good suspense. So Harry keeps going down the hallway. Um, there's all these heads, severed heads, actually. Um, as Harry goes down the, the, uh, hall, he realizes that they're house elf heads. Um, and he asks, what on earth, uh, were they doing in a house that looked as though it belonged to the darkest of wizards? This mystery is wrapped up, uh, by the end of the chapter. So I, Mrs. Weasley leads Harry to his room, heads back downstairs to the meeting, and really, it's at this point, uh, basically, Ron and Hermione are, are, are waiting in the room. Harry has a, a couple seconds to, to register that, uh, you know, the room is, has like a twin bed in it. All of a sudden, he's surrounded by bushy hair. Hermione pulls him into a huge hug. But the first thing she asks, and rightly so, is, have you been furious with us? She says, I bet you have. I know our letters were useless, but we couldn't tell you anything. Dumbledore made us swear we wouldn't. Oh, we've got so much to tell you. So I think they guessed, and and correctly, that Harry would be very, very upset. And I think the interesting thing about this chapter, it's a little difficult to read because Harry does go all caps very, very (laughs) shortly. Very shortly, Mm -hmm. he goes all caps. And, you know, he, he does feel ashamed later, but he spills out all of his insecurities from being left alone on Privet Drive, all of his, uh, resentment to, to, you know, not being with his friends while they've been with each other. Uh, you know, he says all these things and it's, it's really, it's the other thing is it's satisfying to read because, you know, you really feel that getting all this anger out is the first step to, to living with it. 
you know, to dealing with it, but, uh. Yeah. And when you think about it, they, you know, they had this great friendship with him for the past four years, and then suddenly they have to kind of, uh, cut it back a little bit on Dumbledore's orders. So it's like, you know, they, that's why she knew so well that Harry would be PO'd, because suddenly they had to keep this, you know, a secret. Yeah. I, I mean, I, but they, I think Harry's just mad that they listened to Dumbledore too. And I mean, I, you know, rightfully so. I mean, I, but they have to. Dumbledore <laughs> would spank them with his giant hands. <laughs> it's true. His giant. Oh yeah, that's right. Dumbledore's Michael Gambit now. He's no longer Richard Harris. It'll really give him a, a red mark. But, um, anyway, uh, Ron says, uh, we wanted to give, uh, the answers to you. Hermione kept saying you'd do something stupid if you were stuck on your own without news, but Dumbledore made us swear not to tell you. Now, Harry, again, he's feeling this. Right before he bursts out, uh, there's some great descriptors. The warm glow that had flared inside him at the sight of his two best friends was extinguished as something icy flooded the pit of his stomach. All of a sudden, after yearning to see them for a solid month, he felt he would rather Ron and Hermione left him alone. So, that's really tough. Um... Now, the other thing Harry finds out is that Ron and Hermione knew about the Order, uh, people tailing Harry, so he feels even more just isolated. That everybody knew that there were wizards within feet of Harry this whole time. So, well, one of the things I wanted to just bring up though is that doesn't Dumbledore at all think that by doing this he's actually you know um, helping whatever he believes to be inside of Harry that could be a danger to him. He's only aggravating Harry more, which only, you know, causes this connection to develop faster, to me, anyway. I, I, I thought the same thing, and earlier, um, when Mrs. Weasley says he's here to the other artists, I, I, to the other Rs, I thought she meant Dumbledore, and I was like, well, how could Dumbledore possibly know that he's not supposed to be in front of Harry at this point? How does Dumbledore know about this scar connection? But, you know, I, I, I think, it's weird because Dumbledore does have this this policy of avoiding Harry from over the summer. That's way before Harry, you know, has really realizes that that this connection exists between Harry and Voldemort. And I, I just wonder how Dumbledore could have predicted that, um, be, because this whole book Harry is isolated. And and you know the reason he's given to Ron and Hermione is that owls could be intercepted. But Harry says, and again he's correct. You know, Dumbledore has to have ways to to get information across. Without using owls, it 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 really is that Dumbledore doesn't want to talk to Harry, and 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 that's really tough for Harry to deal with. Right, and and that's the point. I mean, he's he's sort of fueling the fire by ignoring him, and you know, every time Harry speaks to another person, there he's hearing that Dumbledore told them not to speak to him or not to correspond with him, and that's only increasing the level of anger he has towards Dumbledore, which Voldemort can easily play off of. Yeah, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to the dark side. Yes, Yoda. (laughs) Um, So, the other thing now, this is a moment of saddest truth. I feel like we should have one of these for every chapter in Book 5. Moment of saddest truth is that Harry says uh, he's glad that uh, Mundungus Fletcher left his post, because quote, if he hadn't, I wouldn't have done magic and Dumbledore would have probably left me at Privet Drive all summer. And Harry says that right before he flips out, which we're just going to skip over. Um, but I thought that was the sad truth, because we just don't know what Dumbledore's intentions were prior to Harry 
having to defend himself. And lucky that Harry could defend himself because these Dementors nearly sucked out Dudley's soul. So, And, you know, again, this was Harry's chance to really get out what was bottling up inside of him. You know, and his friends are a good place to vent towards. So, you know, the situation could have been very expected from everybody reading it for the first time. And Hermione saw it coming. And probably the other Order members understand the frustration as well. And maybe even Dumbledore. Yeah. And I I think the the other thing is Harry's argument is so loud his shouting that uh it's referenced several times the remainder of the chapter now that's that's really the first half of the chapter so far the second half is really interesting because we learn a lot actually um now fred and george apparate into the the bedroom (laughs) they say there may have been some people 50 miles away who didn't hear you um jenny comes in and says hello harry i thought i heard your voice now the order members are right downstairs in the kitchen holding a meeting do you i i really feel like uh, the order members had to have heard harry flip out but uh, curiously but again, well none I mean, of them like i just it. yeah well because i think they just knew they knew he they would have expected he'd be pissed off but he'd be annoyed it just seems like none of them really uh with the exception of Sirius, uh you know they just their loyalty to dumbledore is so strong and that's what kind of i think even irks harry um, is because, n- you know, nobody's coming up and comforting. Nobody's, is defying Dumbledore to, to make him feel better. I think it, it's, tr- it's troubling for Harry to, to see really the greater good. Um, but it's something that everybody's being asked to do. Um, which is really for the first time. So Harry Potter books are changing. Um, but anyway. What else do we learn? We learn that Bill Weasley's home from Egypt. He's taken a desk job at Gringotts in London. And we also find out that Old Fleur de la Cour is working at Gringotts and getting private English lessons from Beale. Private English lessons. Locked in a room all by themselves. English lessons. Yes. I can see where true love is going to spark now. Uh, Me too. I bet Bill is a Yeah, she was probably having some fun with those canutes. (laughs) I was going to make a joke about Bill being a very cunning linguist. Um... Which he probably okay. is. So anyway, Snape is in the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, Percy had a big blowout with Mr. Weasley. Um, this is interesting because Harry uh, finds out that the Daily Prophet, which he's only been reading the cover of, has turned Harry's name into a running joke. And this is something that Hermione tells him. Basically, every he's the butt of every joke. He's the... He's the this crazy, deprived child who uh, isn't trusted. And, and, you know, Hermione suspects that Fudge is behind uh, the fact that nobody reported the Dementors. And uh, also that, you know, eventually if Harry were to follow in Dumbledore's footsteps and start saying Voldemort's back, Voldemort's back, Voldemort's back, people won't believe him. Because the Daily Prophet all summer has apparently been following in Rita Skeeter's footsteps. Um, so that was... That's really tough, you know. The the isn't the, this the, slander in a way, though? Oh, it very much is. But we don't mm-hmm. know why wouldn't that be legal, or why wouldn't that be? I mean, newspapers slander people of a fourteen or fifteen year old kid. I mean, that seems to me to be a little bit over the top. Well, I think there are certainly people who must be reading the Daily Prophet who are enlightened, like uh, Xenophilius Lovegood. I mean, he's also crazy, but uh, you know, people like that who. 
see this, 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 are able to see through that and see that there is, you know, corruption going on or, or some kind of lean. I, I feel like some people do know that, but it's just, it, it's not enough. You're right. It's slander. But the other thing of it is, is that, you know, going back to what was said, you know, in book one, right when, when Voldemort fell, uh, that his followers thought that Harry might be a darker wizard. That that's the reason Voldemort, uh, lost was because Harry was so evil at birth that, uh, that he could, uh, you know, trump them all. A lot of people don't know. A lot of people still, Harry Potter has a mystery behind it. And, and people are, people want to follow Harry if he's good, but because people don't generally know Harry Potter, all they know is that he stopped the, the deaths. 13 years ago. So they're, they're just as likely. I, I feel like they're, they just want to be comforted and, and to know that he is no longer a threat. And, and if he can, is somebody that can be laughed, laughed off, they're going to, they're going to do that. They're going to do that because it, it, it makes them not have to think about what happened 13 years ago. I think everybody, the wizarding world is in a state of, of denial and, and it's supported by the, the daily prophet. Who who is is willing to do what Fudge wants instead of what is right? That was quite a statement you just made. <laughs> what, do you agree with it or disagree? Oh no no it was good yeah. Okay cool and then one final uh, one final point here. Um, the best entrance line of any character in any book I'm going to go that far out is Sirius Black. Um, <laughs> the portrait of Mrs. Black is disturbed. Tonks trips over the umbrella stand for the umpteenth time this week and is slamming Lupin and Sirius. Basically, they, they grab the curtains, they shove them shut, and Sirius yells, Shut up, you old horrible hag! Shut up! <laughs> That's his first line. And uh, he says, um, uh, Hello, Harry, I see you've met my mother. That's the end of the chapter. That kind of um, that kind of reminds me of well, that that th- that quote has really stuck with me. Like as soon as you read that, I kind of flashed back to read the, reading that the first time because she was so annoying, La- just like Umbridge. Later on, she stuck. was too. I mean, when they're cleaning, yeah, yeah, she just doesn't stop. Oh yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, that does it for chapter by chapter. Next week, we next week we will look at chapters five and six of Order of the Phoenix. And by next week, I mean next episode. Mm. What am I talking about? <laughs> so, um, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, uh, we're going to do Make the Music Connection. And in honor of the new Lady Gaga album that everybody loves, we will select songs from the album, which is Born This Way. Now, Eric, you really enjoyed the album, you said. I did. I, I, I liked it. Um, now, I feel like 40 or 40 to 60% of it sounds the same. To be perfectly honest, sorry. Mm. Um, but there are some standout tracks. Well, here is your selection. This is The Edge of Glory. You need to make the connection between this song and one aspect of the Harry Potter films.
loving this right now, I'm sure. Go ahead, Eric. Make the connection. Uh, I have two connections I want to make. I have to choose one of them, of course, but... I, pick the better one. Pick the better one? I feel like uh, Dumbledore was on the edge of glory once with uh, Grindelwald. And, uh, mm. you know, this is this is something that, that Dumbledore has obviously wrestled a great deal with uh, since then. But uh, they really were on the cutting edge of their field uh, as, as youths, as youth wizards. And they... They had the world at their feet, and and of course, it, it led to trouble when Grindelwald started abusing the power. But I I really think that uh, this would be I can hear this song playing during like a, a you know coming of age sort of uh, seizing seizing the seizing the day moment of uh, Dumbledore's uh, adolescence. All right, very good, uh, Micah. I have a song for you. I know you're not a big Lady Gaga fan, so I'm giving you kind of like a, a softball here. Um, okay. This yeah. song's she, called. She's a good artist. She's a good artist. She's just, you know, I, 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 you're right. I don't listen to her very much. You should give him. So you're my... not a little monster. <laughs> you're not going to put your paws I'm not up. What? You're not a little monster. No. Never mind. I don't even think Mike knows what that you means. Give him you and I. It's an inside no. joke for. Oh. <laughs> okay. Here's here's uh. Sorry. Here is uh bad kids. Good, Micah. Make the connection. Bad kids. I'm a loser, baby. Maybe I should quit. I'm a jerk. Wish I had the money, but I can't find work. I'm a brat. I'm a selfish punk. I really should be smacked. My parents tried. Draco. (laughs) Draco. Yes. What about Draco, though? Tell us. Well, what you were saying, the lyrics that you quoted, I thought, described him pretty well, at least earlier on in the series. He changes a little bit. Uh, Half Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows, but you know, especially uh, that group of kids that uh, decide to uh, you know align with Umbridge in Order of the Phoenix. Mm, punks. Her little uh, what was the, what was the name of that group again? Lady Gaga. No. Oh. <laughs> the, uh, the, oh, the Inquisitorial oh, the little Squad. I'm not that out of touch. Um, uh, are, you, are you talking about Little uh, Monsters or the Inquisitorial Squad? The Inquisitorial Squad. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Those cool. Bad kids. I like it. Uh, all right. And that's how we play Make the Wait, Connection. Wait, aren't you going to give yourself one, Andrew? Oh. Do you and I. If you really do, want yeah, me to. Yeah, do you and I. I you and I? Yeah. Okay. Here's you and I. Muckle Cast Live coming at you. It's 4.14 p.m. on the West Coast. I screwed that up. Yeah. 
Well, Lady Gaga is referencing, of course, the Hogshead. And um, now I believe there was an encounter between Harry and Ginny in the Hogshead at one point. Ooh, was there? I'm trying to... In the Half-Blood Prince movie, was there something like that? Yeah, they were at the Burrow. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think... I think that may... I, it definitely strikes me as Harry and Ginny-esque. Yeah. Absolutely. Because um, she's, she's very... Uh, even in this chapter, she was throwing dung bombs at the door to try and get it to break. You know, she's very um, forceful. And the fact that she would say, hey, I want you in that bar with your high heels on, your mind tonight, I'm not leaving out with, you know, leaving without you. Right. She would say that. Right. Right. All right. Well, that's how we play uh, Make the Music Connection. Um we we have a we have a we have a surprise guest joining us now. You may know him from such um podcasts as Hype. Hello. Or uh, is, that, is that Eric Skull I hear? That is Eric Skull. Ben Shane. How's it going, dude? Oh, it's going all right. How are you doing? Dude, I'm doing great, man. All right, let's get to Muggle Mail now. The first one comes from Julia Twenty of Philadelphia. Uh, she writes about our Harrietta Potter episode. We're still getting emails about that. I realize I'm kind of late with this, but I'm behind you. I'm behind on listening to the podcast. Did anyone bring up the fact about your discussion on if Harry had been a girl that it would have had an impact on Snape's treatment of Harry? Isn't the fact that he looks so much like James a reason that he acts so meanly towards him? If Harry had been a girl, or say looked more like Lily, Snape's treatment of Harry could be completely different. Yes, he would have tried to get with her. Yeah. No. No, that's a great that's a great point that I completely agree with. What? No and and well, no. Not my <laughs> point. Not, not Eric's to get point. With no, 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 yeah, no. Julia's yeah. point is really good. You're right. It is it is the fact that Harry looks so much like James. Um that really brings out a lot of the, the bitterness. Uh, Micah, can you get the next email from Kevin? Next email is from Kevin Johnson, 21 of Chicago. Kevin and he Johnson. says, hey there, MuggleCast. Love your show and I'm a huge fan. While watching Sorcerer's Stone during the marathon on TV, I was thinking about what you guys said in your latest episode, number 228. The idea that when Petunia says, I heard that awful boy telling her years ago that she is referring to Snape. I never thought about connecting this to the scene in The Prince's Tale, but I'm completely convinced that you're correct. What I have been thinking about is when Petunia says that awful boy, she is speaking towards Vernon, and for him to understand this, he must know about Snape. The question I have for you guys is how much do you think Petunia and Vernon discuss the magical world? Because clearly they are trying to show that it is not real, but I believe they talk about it if Vernon knows who this awful boy is. like to hear your feedback. Love your show. Keep up the good work. Um... I've always imagined Vernon in this case to be like a, a, a hear no evil doll where he'd, he'd hold his ears over, he's hold his hands over his ears so he doesn't hear it. I, I don't think that Vernon needs to know who that awful boy is for Petunia to mention him. I, I think Petunia can, Petunia trails off, you know, she, she has this past and she doesn't need to be specific and Vernon will never press her for more information. Um, she can say, oh, I, you know, my sister heard about this awful boy, and Vernon knows not to question that. Um, remember, way back in the first chapter of the first book, Vernon uh, wants to ask Petunia what Harry's name is, what the name of her nephew is, but is worried that it will upset her. 
Um, and he goes nearly the whole chapter without asking and then finds out. Finally, he, he asks her and she gets really upset with him. So I, you know, I think Petunia in this case is just saying, Oh, that awful boy. And Vernon, it doesn't mean that Vernon needs to know because he just accepts that there was an awful boy at some point. He trusts her enough. He's not going to pass judgment. Oh, that boy wasn't so awful. What was he like? He wasn't so awful. I bet you, I bet you're just making stuff up. You know, he, he just completely. Um, doesn't Hold care. on a second. So you're saying that Vernon didn't know Harry's name? At the beginning of the first uh, book, he didn't. You're saying that, like, they had never, he had never known, like, prior, like, it was just that awful boy, like, until they showed up on the doorstep. He didn't oh, no, know that, that awful boy is, is something different. Uh, in, in, um, in book five, uh, Petunia references, uh, her, her, her sister Lily hanging around with that awful boy who told her about Dementors. And we said on the last episode that that was Snape, um, because Petunia, oh. Petunia, or Lily and Snape hung out as kids. Um, but I'm saying, um, Vernon often doesn't ask questions about Petunia's life or the wizarding world. Um, so he would be perfectly content to remain blissfully ignorant about who that awful boy was. He'll let Petunia mention it, but he won't ever ask questions about it. He's the perfect husband. At, at least from what we see, though. I mean, you know, there could be bedroom discussions where this kind about of thing is the, taking place. What? Well, the other thing is, Petunia doesn't really know a whole lot about the Wizarding World, to be honest. I mean, she's a, uh, not a squib, but right. she's a muggle. Um, well, and speaking of that, take the next email. It's actually related to, somewhat related to Petunia and all this. All right, this one comes from Allison from Alberta, Canada. Hey, guys, in your chapter-by-chapter discussion, you guys were wondering how Petunia recognized Dumbledore's voice from the Howler, and Harry didn't. My guess is that the only wizard Petunia had any communication with was Dumbledore, and since a Howler is obviously magical and not muggle-related, she would have assumed it was from Dumbledore. She may not have even known what his voice sounded like, but it would, but would have known it was from him, Allison. Oh. That makes perfect sense. Oh. We, got, we got a couple of emails related to this, too. And, and they're right. That you know, who else would it be sense. coming from? It's not coming from Snape. Yeah. You know. Well, from Petunia's perspective. Yeah, that's uh that's right. really brilliant. I am totally in awe of that. <laughs> and the final email is from Sile Ilston, twenty one in New Zealand. Hi there, my friend and I are heading over to London from New Zealand for the Deathly Hallows Part Two World Premiere and are very excited, but have a lot of questions as you have be- as you have been to and, witne- and witnessed many of these events, I was hoping you could possibly do a section on your podcast of how to survive a premiere or how they work for the fans. Just an idea. Keep up the great work. Love your podcast. Thanks. Uh, this is what I was talking about in the earlier. We do get a lot of emails, people asking what the best way to do the premieres are. Well, you got to camp. You do have to camp. If you, if you want in early there, you got to be there like the day before at 6 a.m. And you got to sit out there all day. In the rain. In the rain. Snow. Were you there, Ben, ordered the Phoenix premiere in London? We walked around and saw the people camping out the night before, and it was raining, pouring. I wasn't there, but I was there in L.A. The same thing was going down home when it was, when it was for Order of the Phoenix on Hollywood Boulevard. There were yeah. just tons of people. Now, yeah. you guys, you had press passes, right? Yeah, we weren't so You did not have to camp. So start a Harry Potter website. And convince WB that you're legit, and you might not have to camp. That's my advice to well, these people. Well, uh, here's the thing, too. I feel bad for these people. They camp out overnight, and then 
you know, they must be exhausted by the time the actual premiere rolls around. Oh, the excitement, you know, unless J.K. Rowling is... Ro- yeah, I guess so. But you just have to have a lot of patience. If you do want to be on the very front lines, you probably will have to camp out overnight. Um, and since this premiere is being held at a different place in London than it has in the past, it's hard to give you exact details. But um, get there early. Be patient. Have lots of, you know, stuff to cover you so you don't get too wet. Well, is it at a different um, place? Because they're going from yeah. Piccadilly to the Odeon, though, right? In Leicester Square. So they're going, right. oh, but they start somewhere different. I see what you're saying. Um, right. Well, luckily, it's in the summer. I mean, I stood out line for, uh, uh, I stood in line for Lady Gaga in February uh, when she came to Chicago for like five hours and I nearly died. Like, I really believe that. But, uh, but it was, you know, excitement, and that's what you do. Fortunately, these these movie events are in the summer now, um, and London is never too hot. I don't think. All the times I've it been seems there. like London generally works out better for the fans, though. Too. I mean, when when you look at what happened in New York uh, for the Deathly Hallows, uh, part the infamous one Deathly Hallows Part One premiere, it was it was very poorly set up, uh, where the fans couldn't really interact with anybody. Right. So there's that tip. Get there early. I mean, that's really the only tips we can give you. Have patience. Don't expect to meet the fan, uh, to the celebrities. That's another thing. Because I think, I think so many people get left down and I feel really bad for them because they were really expecting, Oh, we stood out here all this time. We're sure to meet somebody. And then they don't. So just don't get your hopes up. But I mean, you gotta, you gotta have a little bit of hope sitting out there. I mean, why else would you camp out? It's just for the chance. You know, it's like, it's kind of like buying a lottery ticket. Like, you know, you're probably not, it's probably not going to happen, but the people who do win the lottery, like, they're, they're damn glad they bought those tickets. <laughs> yes, yes. But buying tickets takes two seconds, whereas, you know, I, I, I feel bad because they camp out all night and then some of them don't meet people at all and it's just like, well, I think for a lot of them, it's worth it to be within a hundred yards Probably. of a lot of these people. But I've seen people crying at premieres, like, cause they didn't get to meet anyone. Well, because, be, because they were, they were like, I didn't well, you know, meet invite anybody. some, well, invite or, or some or friends, like, invite your friends and have it be a shared experience where if you do yeah. meet somebody, then you can say, we both met him. And if you don't meet somebody, we both hung out and had a really fun time getting almost close enough. To Dan Rickoff. The other thing I would suggest, make a sign. Make something creative that's gonna, um, spark the interest of, or something you can flash at the, uh, the actors. I'm not suggesting uh, you flash the actors, but I'm saying. Andrew, were, were you, but were you, were this the person actually crying? Yeah. Like, but I mean, were they, were, were they actually crying because they didn't get to meet anybody, or was it just because, like, they were so overpowered by the moment? Uh, no, it was at the end when everything was being wrapped up, and they were like, they were looking around anxiously for another star to show up, and it was because, I had a very strong feeling it was because they didn't get to meet Bring anybody. Bring a sign. But people but get their you, hopes you up. Did, you didn't go up and sign a few things for them? <laughs> no. <laughs> they would have cried more <laughs> in, in, in sadness for nothing else. Okay, before we wrap up the show today, um, a couple Twitter responses. We asked everybody who follow us on, uh, who follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash mugglecast. What are your thoughts on the new Deathly Hallows Part 2 promotional posters? And we got a lot of responses. Stephen R. said, I like that the DH2 posters are keeping with the same style as the ones for DH1. Also love the backgrounds of Ron and Hermione's. We didn't talk about that, but there were some hidden gems in the background of the, those posters, mm-hmm. as they try to do. Um, the Curly Fried, it gets really detailed. She says, I love the font that they used for It All Ends. <laughs> we didn't, but that's okay. <laughs> Abby Jerry said, the new posters are amazing. Best posters for an HP movie yet. Actually, my favorite posters are uh, Chamber of Secrets, personally. But 
And you know why that is, guys? Because they were used for the Mugonet theme. Mugonet one, uh, yeah. 1.0, technically. That was awesome. Those are classic. Those are the they coolest were. ones. Yeah. They made uh, the posters just for Mugglenet? <laughs> no, but we made them very much for us. <laughs> oh. The, uh, I, st- I still have the Ron Herbology one as my... Uh, no, I don't. And Marina 2 says, The fire effects are cool and all, but do they really have to give Harry those crossed eyes? He does look a bit strange. I don't know if it just lo- looks Sickly. like he looks really older. He dies yeah. in this movie. He's near death. Well, and as we see in the trailer, he looks very constipated, too, during that one shot. I don't know. I've never, I've never given anybody that attribute, really, before. I don't like it. Weren't you on the trailer show? Were we talking about that? Oh, maybe. Yeah, that was... Oh, when he's... No, that was the... Uh, yeah, when he's holding his stomach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, like, yeah. doubled oh, over yeah. in pain. Yeah. He was having digestion cramps, right? And finally today, chicken soup for the MuggleCast soul. Please, Micah, read this for us. Uh, this is from Spencer, 19, of Tuscaloosa. And he says, Hey, MuggleCast, as you have probably heard... There was quite a tornado outbreak in the southeast recently. I attend the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, and we were greatly affected by the incident. Since then, I have gone back to my hometown of Huntsville, Alabama, which has also been affected, and we are completely out of power for at least another three days. Luckily, I have an iPod charger in my car, and I've been able to listen to MuggleCast's latest episodes. I just wanted to uh, thank you guys for cheering me up, in this sad time and keeping me entertained. I've been listening to you guys for quite a while now and you've always done such a great job. Keep it up, Spencer. Yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously there's been a lot of uh, terrible weather that's taken place, not just in Alabama, but Missouri, Oklahoma, and uh, I was also reading uh, in uh, Kansas uh, over the last few days as well. So, you know, we just want to send our thoughts and prayers out to everybody. And, uh, you know, we're, we're happy that we're able to do something as simple as, as give you guys something to listen to in what's obviously a very difficult time. It's very serious what's going on down there. So we, uh, we, yeah, our thoughts and prayers yes. are with everybody there. I'm glad this guy was able to email us without power for another three days. Um, yeah. Thank God for potato mm-hmm. batteries. <laughs> well, um, it's, uh, before we wrap up the show today, we want to remind everybody about MuggleCast.com. If you click on contact at the top, you'll be able to fill out a feedback form to contact us. Send in your chicken soups. You can send in your make the music connection ideas. You can send in general questions, any feedback you had about today's episode. Uh, another quick reminder, MuggleCast will be live at LeakyCon 2011. Ben, let's hear what you have to say about LeakyCon 2011. It's going to be great. <laughs> Come, everybody. Why will you be there, Ben? What's your What are you looking forward to? We were We were talking about this earlier. What's the thing you're most looking forward to about LeakyCon? Um, I'm most looking forward to um, just the camaraderie. There's a lot of camaraderie being there with you know all these people who have who've been in it so long. Right. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. No, it'll be a lot of fun, and Universal Resort is a great place to do it. Yeah, definitely. You can also follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash MuggleCast, and like us on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash MuggleCast. And also follow the fan Tumblr, which is MuggleCast.tumblr.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I am Andrew Sims. I am Eric Skull. And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And we'll see you next time. I'm Ben Shane. I'm still here. (laughs) I know I came in mid-episode, but I am still here.
<laughs> we should have gone second. Yeah. No, he doesn't deserve that. He yeah, came in halfway through. He came through. in halfway through. He doesn't so. even deserve to say his name at the end. Whatever. I would have sidestepped Eric. I would have been like, I would have bumped Eric over <laughs> had I been here since the beginning. Yeah. I would have gladly stood aside for you. You know you're welcome on this show anytime. I know you got your new hype podcast or whatever. But. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, I've just, I've been like, I, I hate to be, I hate people who are like, oh, I'm so busy, but I've been so busy. I heard you've been. <laughs> and, and, you know, um, yeah, I, I run an online advertising business and I've been, you know, just talking with like, you know, phone blowing up all the time. And I, Andrew and I said we were going to do that hype podcast about weekly and we, we haven't, we haven't been like, even like able to link up that much. And we know we're so, but I definitely want to be on Mugglecast again. It's good to hear from Especially you. since this is, uh, you know, the one, the big hurrah coming yeah. up. Well, we'll see you at episode 328. What episode is this? 228. Oh, okay. 100 <laughs> episodes later. <laughs> no, you'll, you'll of course be on the live podcast Elite Con. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Shirtless. Shirtless? Yeah. I'm oh, just I kidding. Missed that memo. <laughs> that would be terrible. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see everybody for next time for episode 230. Oh, goodbye. Bye. Bye.